church this morning as we continue to worship. Through the heavens, the long-awaited sea. 
come to set the captives free. Come to set the captives free. Come set us free. Sing it with me. Hope has a name. Hope has a name.
your name forever. Father, we're thankful that you are mighty God, Prince of Peace, Emmanuel. God, we thank you that you continually speak into our lives. God, as we are in this Christmas season, as we remember Jesus as a baby in a manger. God, may we never forget that that may be where it started. God, He became so much more. Father, You are Emmanuel. You're mighty God. You're my King. Father, as we go into Your Word today, Father, I pray that you will open up our hearts, our minds, our ears to hear what it is that you want to speak to us. God, I believe that there are people here today who need to hear what will come before them today. Father, we anticipate leaving here different than when we came in. Father, do a work that only you can do. We lift up your name. You're wonderful. You're mighty. You're powerful. You're our everlasting Father. Just in your own way, could you do that just for a moment? Could you lift up his name? Could you speak praises to him? Father, we thank you. God, we lift up your name. You're so awesome. God, thank you for, Father, just being you. God, we lift you up. We praise you in this place. As you remain standing, I want to, um, as you know, a couple of nights ago, there was a, some very bad weather that went through um, western Kentucky. And uh, it has just been devastated. And uh, so we're going to do a couple of things. First of all, I don't want to let you know about what we're doing. And then we're going to have a corporate prayer. Uh, for those who are struggling right now, who uh, some were, were fortunate just to lose property because there's so many people who, who have lost friends and family uh, to this horrible storm. And uh, we know people that live in that part of the, uh, of the state. And, 
And uh, so what we've done is, is we're partnering with uh, the Ashland uh, District Schools, and we are uh, taking up collection of uh, personal hygiene products. I think every district's doing something different, but in Ashland, they're doing personal hygiene products. And uh, so we're going to be collecting those. Uh, if you would like to participate in that, uh, you can let us know. Uh, they're needing them by Wednesday, so I know it's a short window, but they have so many people without and uh, so we're going to try, they're trying to get them down there as quickly as possible. Uh, we will be around. If you have something you wanted to drop off, you can get in touch with me. Uh, we will be here Tuesday evening uh, from about 5 o'clock, uh, probably till 8 or 9 o'clock uh, if you needed to bring them then. But wh whatever it is, if we need to come and pick them up for your, from your house, uh, if you just let us know, we'll make that happen. Uh, but uh, I also want to just, uh, physical things are good. And we talked about last week how important it is to, to provide the bottled water, uh, but they also need a healing touch right now too. Um, and uh, so can, can we take just a moment and just as a corporate body, can we pray uh, for those families that have been affected uh, in such a, uh, a devastating way? Uh, could, would you pray with me? Father, I come before you this morning. God, I, I know that uh, there are people right now that are they're hurting, they're suffering, God, some uh, may have lost everything that they had, and, and, and Father, some may have lost uh, family, friends. God, I pray right now that when things uh, like this happen, God, sometimes it's easy to question or to, or to wonder. But God, I pray right now for an everlasting and supernatural peace uh, to come upon those families, and God, that you will provide for them. And God, that through this God, no matter what it may look like, that you can receive the praise and the glory. And God, may uh, we... Uh, be uh, your hand extended. And, and Father, as we continue to pray for them and to lift them up in prayer, uh, Father, I also pray that, that uh, we can be uh, that hand that will help provide uh, physical needs uh, for these families that are, that are going through this uh, such a tragic time. Father, we're believing and trusting in you. And God, we know uh, that even when bad things happen, uh, God, that you're still working all things together for good. And Father, we stand on that this morning. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do in their lives. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Uh, shake somebody's hand and let them know that you are glad that they are at Gateway Church this morning. If you are a guest, we want to thank you for being here. Uh, you'll notice on the front pew in front of you there uh, is a, uh, a QR code. Uh, you can scan it. It's not going to bring up the uh, lunch menu for your favorite restaurant. It's going to take you to a place we call the Gateway Lobby. And uh, there you can uh, find everything that you need to be able to do. Uh, if you're new with us, uh, there will be a, a, a little thing there that said I'm new. You can click on that, fill out three questions, and uh, that will just let us know that you were here. Uh, if you filled out a plan your visit, you can go to check-in. And, uh, or if you've been here before, uh, you can click on check-in and, and you're able to check-in uh, yourself so that we know that you're here. Uh, we want you to know that you're more than just a name or more than just a number. Uh, you're a name and uh, we're concerned about you and we're concerned about building relationships with you. Uh, so if you would uh, do that, you can also give there. Uh, people ask about giving. You can do that from that lobby. You can do it uh, at the back of the auditorium. And uh, however it is that you choose to give, thank you for your faithfulness. And uh, we're looking forward to what God's going to continue to do in our community uh, and uh, as we head into 2022. If you've been at Gateway any length of time, uh, this logo probably looks familiar to you. Um, and uh, if you've been here any length of time, you know that I love coffee. 
Now, I'm not talking about McDonald's coffee. That's not real coffee, okay? Uh, and I'm getting ready to hurt some people's feelings because I know that, that but, but I'm, I'm not even talking about Tim Horton's coffee. I know people, they just can't wait to get some of that good Canadian coffee. I'm telling you, that's not real coffee either. I'm talking about a place where, where I go to where I know the beans have been freshly roasted. Uh, I'm talking about a place that I can go to that I order my drink and then I hear the coffee beans being grounded. And they grind them right there on the spot. Now that's real coffee. Now we're fortunate to have several good cafes in Ashland. And, um, but the one that I choose to frequent quite often is called Sky 37. Uh, now this is a place where the only type of coffee that they do uh, are pour overs. Now if you're not familiar with that technique, when you leave here today, if you don't learn anything else, you're going to know what a pour over is, okay? Uh, a pour over is when they grind the coffee beans and they put them into this funnel with the filter. And then they will take hot water and, and they'll pour it over the grounds. Thus the name pour over, okay? It's, it's not rocket science. The hot water then filters down through the filter and, and the coffee is extracted into this glass carafe and, and it becomes a carafe full of deliciousness. Now there's a couple of reasons that, that I choose to go to this particular cafe. Once, one is because the coffee is phenomenal. I mean, it, it, it's, it's just great. But the second is because that it takes a few minutes for this process to complete. The owners intentionally only have this type of coffee because it causes people to slow down their fast pace of life. How many people say your life is just fast paced? Uh, and when people come in and they order a cup of coffee, it's not going to be just get the coffee and run. Uh, there's going to be conversation that takes place. Because if you're sitting there with your coffee and someone comes in and orders something, they're going to have to wait on it. And the reason that's so awesome for me is because if you're with my personality, I love conversation uh, as much or, or probably more than I love coffee. But when you take the two and you put them together, it's just something that's awesome. There's nothing like talking to someone and having conversation with someone over a cup of coffee. A couple of years ago, someone asked the question. The question was posed this way. They said, if you could sit down with any one figure from the Bible, if you could sit down and have a conversation with them, who would it be? Who would you pick to sit down and talk to? Now, when I was asked this question, the first thing that came to my mind wasn't a person. The first thing that came to my mind was, if I'm in sitting down with someone, it's going to have to involve a cup of coffee. And then I begin to think about, if I had a cup of coffee, and I could choose anyone to share that cup of coffee with, who would it be? There was many people that came to my mind. And so from that idea is where this sermon series idea came from. Because the Bible is filled with figures and characters who have amazing stories. We always say here that, that everyone has a story. If you look at the person on your left or the person on your right, or you look at your own self, you have a story. And there's stories that we can learn from, both while we're walking here on this earth and filled throughout this Bible. Hebrews chapter 11 has been called 
the Faith Hall of Fame. The Hebrews chapter 11 gives us examples of, of, of several people who faced tremendous obstacles in their life. But no matter what the obstacle they faced, they always had the faith to overcome whatever the enemy threw their way. In life, I've learned something, sometimes the hard way. That's that I don't have all the answers. I've learned that the leader who fails to learn will fail to lead. There's always something to learn. I'm always looking for ways to, to better myself. I'm always trying to position myself uh, around people and with people who I can get, gain wisdom from. I mean, a good portion of my week is spent sitting down with people who I can glean knowledge from and learn from. I'm constantly looking for people and saying, hey, let's get a cup of coffee. Let's have some conversation. And so as I begin to, to look through the, through the Bible, I think, who would I sit down with? If I could sit down with, with some of these characters, what would they tell me? What wisdom would they give me? And in Hebrews chapter 11 is called the Faith Hall of Fame, and it's followed immediately by Hebrews chapter 12 in verse 1. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. The writer of Hebrews says that, that this journey that we're on, this walk that we're on, this race that we're running is what he compares it to. He says it's, it's going to be rough. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be just a, a stroll in the park. It, it's a race. There's things while we're running this race, that will hinder us. Things that will weigh us down. And so as we begin to, to look at this passage of Scripture, what would the, the great cloud of witnesses tell us? And so ever so often, we will take a Sunday just to, to look into the life of someone that we can learn from. And during the month of December, it only makes sense that Today we would look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now we know that, that Mary played an important role in the life of Jesus. Some religions have went as far as to make her the focus. And I believe that, that she would be quick to tell us, listen, I'm not the focus. He is. But we look at Mary and, and we know that, that she was a, a frightened teenage girl. Scholars say she was somewhere between 14 and 16 years old. And she was visited by an angel. And she was told, listen, you're going to become pregnant. You're going to become with child. Without ever being with a man. And not only is, are you going to be pregnant, but you're going to be carrying in your womb the Son of the living God. Now, can you imagine being 14, 15, 16 years old, and an angel appearing to you and giving you this information. I have to believe that, that Mary probably wasn't jumping for joy. I'm pretty confident that, that when she was told this, she didn't understand what God was doing or even why he was doing it. And in your life, if, if you look and if you've ever had a God encounter, that you have thought, I, I don't understand him. 
You've had a God encounter that says, God, I don't know what you're doing. God, I don't understand why you're doing it this way. If you've ever been in a situation that God has been confusing to you, I believe that, that Mary would probably say, I've been where you are. I've been there. I know what you're feeling because I felt the exact same way. And I believe Mary's advice to us as we first sit down, she would say, when God asks you to do something outside of your comfort zone, don't miss your moment with him. Don't miss your moment with God. I believe she would say, listen, God is working and God is bigger than you think. God's ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. And when Mary was in this situation, I believe she would say, don't miss your God moment. Because as we learn all throughout scripture, God is a God of moments. God is reaching out all the time. But the sad reality is, is too often we miss the moment. We miss our moment. And I believe that Mary would say, if I wasn't careful, I would have missed my moment with him. Don't miss your moment. And as she's talking about God moments, I, I believe that she would give us some characteristics about these moments that happen in our life. I believe she would say that sometimes God moments are often going to seem impossible. Often he's going to ask you to do something that seems impossible. We learn that by looking at the Christmas story. In Luke chapter 1, verse 29 through 34, it says, let me set this up before we get to 29. This is when the angel has come to Mary and he's told her what's going to take place. And her response to that is what follows in verse 29 through 34. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will make him Jesus, name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Now I believe that, that Mary was open to what the angel was saying. I believe Mary was open to what she was being told. But I also believe that she was looking at and trying to figure out how what she was told was going to come to pass. I believe that she was trying to figure out how it would be possible. I believe she was trying to get past her, I don't get God. You see, God's going to, to do things in your life that will not make sense. Many people can, can follow God's plan, but they can only do it after they understand it. Many people can't follow God's plan because they don't understand it. And those people miss the best part of God because when you do that, as I've said before, you reduce God down to the size of your brain. And for most of us, we don't want to do that. We reduce him down. And, and so God has to fit into something that we can fit in our brain. 
And I believe Mary would say, you've got to trust God even when you don't understand Him. You've got to trust God even when it's hard to comprehend. There's been so many times in my life that God hasn't made sense. Now, I would like to say that when that happens that I trust Him immediately. But there have been times that I've questioned God. There's been times that, that he has spoken to my life or, or, or give me direction, and I thought, God, what are you doing? God, what are you saying? I mean, one was when we purchased this building. I looked at the building and said, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? God, you, I know that it says it's possible, but I'm, I'm not seeing it. There's been times that I've been a bit stubborn, and I thought, God, there's no way. But then I'm taken back to... Mark chapter 10, verse 27. It says, Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. With man, all things may not be possible. With man, things look impossible. But this verse reminds us that we don't look with our human eyes. We don't see with our human eyes. But with God, all things are possible. And you might be here this morning and you might be confused. But I believe Mary would tell you that in those moments, when those God moments come, just say yes. Just say yes. God is going to, to, to come to you just as the angel came to Mary. And the angel comes to Mary and tells her what's going to happen. He even tells her about her cousin Elizabeth. And in those moments when God comes to you, you have to be willing to say yes. Luke chapter 1 verse 38 in this story says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Now Mary said this, but I'm not convinced that she was really feeling it. Uh, Mary said this, but to me it sounds like one of those you ever had somebody tell you something and, and it's something that you couldn't believe, but they were convinced that it was going to happen and, and you wanted to believe them? You wanted to believe it was going to happen, so you looked at them and said, uh, okay, if you say so. We've all had those moments. Okay, if you really think that's the way it's going to be, but in your heart you're thinking, I don't think so. I believe in Mary's heart she's probably thinking, okay, I know what you've said, but then there's my family. And then there's Joseph. And then there's the religious leaders. And she was knowing that, that she was going to, to be ridiculed. She was going to, she knew that there was going to be confusion. She knew that, that there was going to be anger. She understood that there were going to be some people worrying. She said, I, I, I don't get it. But if you say so. She believed his word. You see, there's going to be moments in your life that, that, that things and come to you and, and that seem impossible and that you, you're really not sure if you believe. And in those moments, what I challenge you to do is, is to get into the Word of God because there's everything in here is spelled out. If He says it in His Word, he, if He's told us that you can believe it, you can take it to the bank. If He says it, He'll do it. When Jesus had Jairus come to Him and He came to Him and He said, My daughter's dying. I need you to come now. And so Jesus tried to start making his way 
to Jairus' house, but others started tugging on him. And others wanted his attention and, and wanted his touch, and, and, and they were slowing him down. Jairus is probably thinking, Jesus, if you don't come now, it's going to be too late. Jesus, if you don't do it the way that I think you should do it, it's not going to work out. It's not going to be in my favor. She's going to die. And in those moments when Jesus is being withheld and Jesus is, is not getting to, to where Jairus thinks that he needs to go quick enough, they come and, and they say, don't worry about it now, Jairus, because she's dead. She's dead. Jesus overhears what's being said. And Jesus says, you may think it's over, but don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. And he goes and he, he raises her from the dead. You see, Jairus and, and the people around him, they were wanting his daughter to be healed. But Jesus wanted something different. He wanted something more miraculous. He wanted her to be raised from the dead. And there's times in our life that we want, to, we want God to do this, but he wants to do that. There's times in our life that we want God to fix it this way, but he wants to fix it in another way. And through all of that and in all of that, you have to come to a point that you trust God through it all. You see, because your God moment will open the door for God's best in your life. Your God moment will open the door. When, when God is moving in a way that's different than the way that you want him to, when God is moving in a way that, that looks different than the way that you thought it would or the way that you think it should, we have to come to the realization that God is right. We have to come to the realization that his way is better. We have to believe that, that he does want what's best for us. You know, Mary said it in the moment. Mary said, I believe, but I have to believe that there were moments following that, that, that she became discouraged. When she had people looking at her and saying, yeah, right, an angel, yeah, right, the Holy Spirit. They're looking at her and thinking that, 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 that she's lost her mind. They're looking at her and, and thinking that, that, that she's a bit sus. I got like attention right here. For those of you who aren't as cool as me, that's uh, sketchy, suspicious, sus is the word. Just trying to stay relevant. But she left town. She's in this moment, and, and, and they're probably thinking, man, sus was so last week. It's probably something new now. She left town. She decided to visit her cousin. She decided, I'm getting and I'm leaving and I'm going to visit Elizabeth, who was the mother of John the Baptist. And so she gets and she's coming up the road. And Elizabeth sees her. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 42 through 45, the account goes something like this. It says, Elizabeth gave a glad, glad, a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women. And your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? So Elizabeth's just, she's pouring it on. She said, when I heard you're greeting the baby in my womb, jump for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. 
So we begin reading this and we begin to ask ourselves the question, why did, Mary, why did Elizabeth respond to Mary in such a way? Why did she come out and, and declare that Mary was blessed? I believe it's because Elizabeth understood that, that Mary probably wasn't feeling blessed at the moment. Elizabeth probably understood what Mary had been facing before she left town. She probably had saw the Facebook post that Mary was with child and she didn't have a husband. She knew that Mary was probably feeling down. She probably knew that Mary didn't understand it and that Mary didn't feel blessed at the moment. But can I tell you that blessed are those who believe? You need to write that down. You, you need to put that in your heart. Blessed are those who believe. Why was it that Elizabeth was able to stand with confidence and say, Mary, I know you can't see it, but God's doing something in your life. Why was it that Elizabeth was able to look at her and say, you are blessed? I believe it's because that, that Elizabeth was six months in to her miracle pregnancy. If you read the account of Zechariah and Elizabeth, you will see that, that she had been without child and that she was now in her 60s. She was past childbearing age. But an angel came and told and said, you're going to be with child. You and your wife are going to be with child. And so Elizabeth was walking six, six months. She had been carrying John the Baptist. Six months she had, was in to her miracle that God had spoken to her life. Miraculously, she had become pregnant. Now listen, I would have a, a harder time preaching this if I didn't have a history of miraculous things that, that God has done in my life. I could stand up here and tell you about things that have happened in my life that, that you would look at me and say, there's no way that happened. But I would say it did. I lived it. I could tell you things that would make your jaw drop. And it's because of that that I can stand up here or I can look at someone and I can say, when things don't make sense, trust Him anyway. When things look like they're not going to work out the way that you think they should, trust Him anyway. When you're tempted to become discouraged, don't be now, I'm not going to tell you that there's not times in my life that no matter what I've been through and how that God has miraculously done things in my life and He's always proven to be true, I won't tell you that there aren't times that I still get discouraged. There are times that, that I need someone to talk to who has been in it longer than I have, who's older than me. So I call Pastor Rick. But people who have been in it longer, and I go to them and I say, man, this is, this is what I'm seeing. Can you speak into my life? Because I need to hear someone say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I need to hear someone say, God will come through. I need someone who's got more experience than I do. So in this moment, Mary... She just wasn't there. She wasn't feeling it. So she goes to Elizabeth. 
But now if we fast forward 30 years into Mary's life, 30 years later, 30 years after Jesus had been born, when he's getting ready to start his ministry, we read an account where that her and Jesus, are, they're at a wedding. And she's no longer struggling with confidence in Jesus. She's no longer questioning what the angel told her. They were at a wedding and, and they had ran out of wine. And so Mary goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, you need to do your thing. And Jesus says, well, wait a minute, woman. What's this have to do with me? It's not my time yet. And then she pulls the mom card and she says, yes, it is time. Do it. Do it because I said so. I brought you in this world. Do it. So then she starts going around to everyone else with confidence and says, listen, let me tell you what's going to happen here. Now, my son, Jesus, you know him, the one over there that, you know, he's going to, uh, he's getting ready to do something. He's going to say some things and you're going to think that they're crazy. You're going to think, uh, I've been around a long time. That's not how you make wine. John chapter 2, verse 5 says this. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says, whatever he says to you, just do it. Whatever he says to you, just do it. What gave her the confidence to speak? What gave her the confidence to proclaim what he was going to do? What gave her the confidence to look at these servants and say, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. I believe that, that from the age of 12 to 30, when we don't hear about Jesus' life, I believe that, that he was doing things to gain, to gain her confidence. I believe that he was doing stuff and performing miracles just so that she could have a revelation of who he really was. Because in this moment, she didn't question who he was. She knew what he could do. She knew that he could make a way when there seemed to be no way. So her history with Jesus gave her confidence. And she said, I don't know what he's, I don't know how he's going to do it, but whatever he says to do, just trust him. I stand before you this morning and I tell you, I don't know how he's going to do it, but I know that he's going to. And just as Mary told the servants, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. I'm trying to, to be Elizabeth, Elizabeth to you right now. Because there's so many people who you've walked in here today or, or you're listening and, and I know that you're sad. I know that you're confused. I know that you walked in here trying to figure out what God is doing. You, you may have walked in here wondering where God is. You may have walked in here, you're not even sure if He's real. You've walked in and you're hurting. And I'm trying to speak into your life and to tell you that God is in, at work in your life in ways that you don't see or even realize. Mary would say, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. So as we begin to get to the, the end of our cup of coffee, you know, these coffee shops, they don't give free refills, so we only get about 16 ounces with Mary. But I believe that she would wind up the conversation and I believe she would have some final words of encouragement. Some final words that, and, and things that we can learn from what she went through. And 
First of all, I think she would want us to know that we, should, we have to stay connected to God. We have to stay connected to God. Listen, the enemy of our connection to God is the pace of our life. Uh, it's been said that if we can develop a better pace, it'll put us in a better place. If we can develop a better pace, it will put us in a better place. Listen, when I have time with God, when I slow down, we're always in a hurry. Always in a hurry. And I believe that if I've learned anything over the past several months is, is that sometimes uh, when I'm in a hurry, I have a hard time staying connected to God because I'm connected to everything else. I'm connected to, to, to this or to that. or I'm connected to anything and everything but what I really need to be connected to. I believe that in Luke chapter 2, verse 16, that the first few words there, it says, they hurried to the village. One version says, they hurried off. I believe that's a picture of our society. We're always hurrying off somewhere. We're always running off somewhere. But the, that verse says, they hurried uh, to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone that they, what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. That last verse, what, is, what can we take from that? What would Mary have us take from that? I believe Mary is, when she would become discouraged, that she would sit... And um, one version says that she pondered. Does anybody here still use that word? Come on, let's be honest. Pondered. We've got some old souls. Pondered. Some people are afraid to raise their hand because they're afraid they're telling their age. I don't use that word a lot, but when I read it, I thought, man, that's, that, that's a good way to put it because it catches my attention. I pondered. My grandparents used to ponder. What does that mean? That means that she just stopped and slowed down and she thought about the things that she had been told. She thought about the things that had led up to the point that she was in life. Sometimes we need to sit and ponder. Sometimes we need to slow down long enough and, and we need to sit and worship or we need to get into His Word or, or we just need to sit and ponder. We need to let God heal our broken heart. Listen, the enemy will do everything that he can to keep you from connecting with God. And if he can use people, he can use things, he can use circumstances, he'll do things to break your heart. And the only way to fix that is to let God Heal it. John chapter 15 verse 5 says, I am the vine and you are the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, 
you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. God said, when you're not connected to me, you're just like dead wood. But he said, when you're connected to me, you can ask, you can pray, you can believe, and you can trust. Some have been disconnected from God. You've been disconnected from God because you're just simply too busy. You, you just don't take time. Can I tell you that connecting with God and being connected to God is more important than anything else in your life? I don't care what it is. Anything else in your life. There's a reason that he said to seek him first. There's a reason that he said that we should have no other gods before him. Why? Because we need to be connected to him. But the enemy of our soul will do everything that he can to cut us off from the vine. We have to slow down. We have to stay connected to him. Secondly, I believe Mary would say stay connected to your purpose. Stay connected to your purpose. You see, I believe that that what kept Mary going was these moments that she would sit and ponder. These moments that she realized that she had a purpose. Because listen, there were probably days that she didn't feel like it. There were probably days Jesus was running and, and running havoc on the temple or on the house. And she's thinking, I don't think this is my purpose. But in those days, God would send her encouragement. And she would realize and, and, and understand what her purpose was. In Luke chapter 2, verse 34 and 35... It says, then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. I believe that that he sent him by to tell Mary, remember what your purpose is. I believe that that he sent him by to to tell Mary, listen, your purpose was to, to carry in your womb the Son of God. Your purpose is to help raise and nurture the Son of the living God. And in those moments that that you don't understand or you begin to doubt what your purpose is, you have to reconnect to it. You have to remember it. You have to know that, that knowing your purpose will lead to success. If you don't know the spiritual significance of your life, if you don't connect to your purpose, your life's going to stink. I've watched people, and and they know what their purpose is. But in those moments that life becomes hard and they become discouraged and they start questioning it, the first thing that they tend to do is is they separate themselves from their purpose. And they forget what their true purpose really is. And that leads to a miserable life. That's why 2 Timothy 1.6 tells us this. This is why I remind you to fan into into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. One one version says, stir up the gift. In other words, remember what your purpose is. Remember what you're here to do. Connect to it. And then continually do things to fuel that passion. I will tell you that there are some days that I wake up and I think, God, is this really my purpose? And it's in those moments that that I have to be reconnected and I have to think back 
I have to ponder on how I've got to where I am. And then I have to recognize and realize that, it, that it's not a coincidence. That, that God's been directing my life and, and that I have a purpose. Thirdly, I have to, Mary would say, stay connected to the people who encourage you. Stay connected to the people who encourage you. Listen, Mary just didn't go visit Elizabeth, hear that she was blessed among all women, and then go back to her family and friends and, and the religious leaders who were continually discouraging her. Luke chapter 1, verse 56 tells us how long she stayed. It says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months, and then she went back to her own home. When Mary got to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth began speaking life into her and saying you're blessed among all women and saying you have a purpose and saying how that she was so excited and, and how that she was and knew what, her, what Mary's purpose was. When Mary realized that, she thought, you know what, I'm going to stay with this woman. I'm going to stay with this woman that calls me blessed. And I'm here to tell you this morning, I believe Mary would say that, that some of you need to stop hanging out with people who you're hanging out with. Some of you need to, to quit sitting down with a cup of coffee with someone who is continually negative, who is continually trying to rip you away and, and discourage you away from your purpose. And you need to, to, to change friends. And you need to get with people. You, you may have to, I don't want to not leave town, but you need to change your company. And you need people who will remind you of your purpose. You need people who will encourage you. You need people that, that when, when you're falling down and, and when you feel like you can't go on and you're discouraged, that they'll get in your ear and they'll say, come on, let's go. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 tells us this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. He says, you need to get with people that will help you and propel you to be connected to your purpose. What is your purpose? To love God and to love people? That's what it ultimately comes down to. And it says, you need to be with people who help you do that. Not constantly pull you down. We look at Mary and I believe Mary would look back at... She's at the end of... Jesus' life. Jesus is now, he's 33 and he's on the cross. And she's standing there watching the child that she carried in her womb be executed. She's standing there watching the one that she helped raise <coughs> and nurture. We always teach this from the perspective of Jesus. We always think about the pain and the suffering and everything that he went through. Or sometimes we'll look at it from the perspective of God the Father and how that he had to turn his back on his son so that he could be sacrificing for our sin. But have, have you ever stopped and wondered what it would be like from Mary's perspective? Have you ever stopped and wondered what it would be like for 
her to watch this take place. And then for her to have to walk away from that scene. How did she make it? How did she make it? How did she make it through those darkest days of her life? And the question is that I ask us is, is there's days that we feel that way. And there's days that we ask, how are we going to make it through these darkest days of our life? And I believe the, the key for Mary and the key for us is that we know that we have a hope. We understand that that hope is heaven. We have a tendency to put too much hope and too much of our happiness on a place that we're just passing through. We have a place that we look forward to with hope. Titus chapter 2 verse 13 tells us this. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He says we look forward to that day when we will see him face to face. We look forward to that day when his glory to us is revealed. And I believe that that was what kept Mary going. And I believe that when you feel like that you can't do it anymore, when you feel like that it's the darkest days of your life, I believe Mary would look at you and she would look at me and she would say, stay connected to the bigger picture. Stay connected to the bigger picture. You see, we're aliens and we're strangers just passing through. Uh, James chapter 4 verse 14 tells us that life is just a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. The older that I get, the more I begin to realize how true those verses are. Life's but a vapor. But as I begin to think about what's going to get me through these dark days, and it's in those moments that I have to realize that I'm just passing through, that there's something bigger, something that we're working our way toward, that's seeing him face to face. When you're younger, you don't think much about that. A lot of times we ask, you know, is this all there is to life? Now, while, we're, while we are here, what our purpose and our goal, our calling, is that because we understand the bigger picture. We understand that we're not living for here. This is not our home. But there's people all around us who they don't get the bigger picture. They don't understand the bigger picture. So I don't want you to... You've heard the saying that you're too, sometimes people are too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. What that simply means is, is that we have to understand that, yes, our hope is heaven. But while we're here, our responsibility is just for as many people to go with us that can. And we do that by remembering what we're working for and what we're working to, toward. You may be here this morning and 
You say, Pastor, I've been questioning God a lot lately. You may say there's some things that are happening in my life that have made me wonder where God is and wonder what He's doing. There's things that, that I'm facing, Pastor, that, that, that the chance of them working out in my favor for my good seem impossible. I mean, Pastor, I don't see any human any humanly possible way that, that, that they're going to be fixed. Pastor, I don't see any way that I'm going to, to get through what it is that I'm going through and come out on the other side. You may be here this morning and say, Pastor, I believe that God's calling me to something, but I'm having a hard time saying yes to my God moment. I'm having a hard time stepping out of the boat or stepping out of my comfort zone. Pastor, I know I need to say yes because I'm risking missing my God moment, but I'm having a hard time reconciling this God moment with my human brain. You might be here and you say, Pastor, I need God to put some encouragers in my life. Pastor, I need some people that will help pick me up when I'm down. Who will help encourage me when I'm discouraged. You see, that's part of this thing we call church. That's what we're here for. Mary had Elizabeth. Who's your Elizabeth? Who is that person that will speak to you and encourage you when you feel like giving up? You say, Pastor, I need that kind of person. So no matter where you are, if you fall into one of those categories... And I would imagine that the majority of us do. But God doesn't care where you are on your journey. He doesn't care what category you fall into. Because no matter what situation you're facing or no matter what you need Him to do, He's the same God. He's the God that can give you encouragers. He's the God that can help you step out and say yes. He's the God that can, can help you trust Him. Nothing's impossible with Him. And so as you stand to your feet this morning, I'm going to ask you to evaluate your own life and your own heart. I believe that Mary, very often, she had to do some soul searching. There were times that Mary had to ask herself, do I really believe? There were times that she would have to go to God and say, I need you to do something here because I feel like I'm drowning. And I believe that 
as we do soul searching today, that the same God, the same God that gave Mary the strength and the courage to believe when it seemed like she shouldn't believe. The same God that sent people into Mary's life to encourage her. That same God is working for you. And as you begin to be honest with yourself, that's the first step. Realizing what you need and then trusting God. Trusting God. So as we pray, if you're here and you would like prayer from our prayer team, this altar is always open. All you have to do is walk down that aisle. We will pray with you. We will encourage you. We will try to speak life. And we'll believe God with you to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever hope, dream, or imagine. But as you begin to search your soul, I pray that you will just ask God to do whatever it is. And then when he tells you what to do, just do it. Father, I come before you today, and God, I'm thankful for every person that's here in this auditorium today. God, every person that is listening. God, you know every situation. You know every heart. You know every struggle. You know every hurt. You know every shortcoming. God, you know every doubt. Father, you know it all. God, we simply come before you today, and we, we open up our lives like an open book. God, we ask you to do something. God, no matter what our situation is, Father, we're going to trust you. We're going to trust you with everything that is in us. God, we're going to stand on your word. We're going to believe that even though things look impossible, God, we're going to stand on the promise that they're possible. God, if there's those here this morning that are questioning God, what you're doing, how you're doing it, why you're doing it. God, questioning where you are, or even if you're real. Father, I pray right now that you will speak into their lives supernaturally. Holy Spirit, that you will assure them. They serve a God who loves them, who cares, and that knows exactly where they are. You are who knows their hurts, their struggles, their pain. Father, I speak life to your people today. God, may we all find an Elizabeth. God, to help propel us and keep us connected to our purpose. Church, can I tell you, he is enough. He's enough. He's not just enough, he's more than enough. Can you sing this simple chorus and proclaim that he's enough?
You may be here and you may be wondering, what gyra, what, what, what does that mean? In the Bible, we're given other names. And one of those names is Jehovah Jireh. It says that He is, and it simply means the Lord is our provider. So when we sing that, we're saying, you're enough. You're enough. He'll provide for you. Can we sing that just one more time? I know it's getting late, but I think somebody needs to proclaim that today. You are enough. One more time, sing it again. Yeah. 